Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Uh, So today uh, we are really, really excited um, to welcome Laura from Club Soda. Um, So uh, normally we start by checking in with each other, but we're just going to start by checking in with Laura this morning. So just to tell you, uh, if you don't know, um, I'm sure you do, uh, Club Soda is a British um, mindful drinking movement. Uh, it has three thirty thousand individual members and five thousand pubs included, and two hundred drinks bands, which is seven hundred drinks, all uh, within the movement. Trying to, uh, I guess, it's to try and uh, make space for sober people within the drinking world. I guess that's the the first yeah. mission, isn't it? Yeah, we. And um, so, hi, our- Laura. Hi. We, um, I think we call our mission uh, creating a world where nobody has to feel out of place if they're not drinking. Yeah, so that's very good. Um, so, yeah, so how are you doing, Laura? I'm good. Yeah? Are you, good. You're in, yeah, in London. Is it snowing? Is it, what's going on? It's not snowing, snowing. It's very cold and uh, we've already been to one event this morning before breakfast, so... <gasps> Feeling very virtuous. Well, and who wow. says then that when you stop drinking, your social life is over? It's like you went to an event for breakfast. How hard was Admittedly, that? Admittedly, it wasn't the most exciting event, and <laughs> but um, but you know, I got some good networking done before nine a.m. and I feel like that that's somehow winning mm. a life. I think yeah. so. And you wouldn't be doing that with a hangover. Definitely <laughs> not. When I when I used to have early morning uh, meetings like this. I, I I barely got out of bed in time to get to them, and then I must have stunk <laughs> when oh, I was at the fence. And yeah. now I'm annoyingly bouncy, and everyone <laughs> was annoyed by me this morning. Excellent. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, one of the things we wanted to speak to you about, actually, because you know, obviously, you're you're a kind of a big public figure, and you uh, you've sort of in these events, and there's a big community. Well, I'd really like to hear about sort of what brought you to the decision to stop drinking. Uh, yeah, so um, my background's in politics. So I um, have always been a community campaigner since the age of about 14. And I got elected to the local council in London when I was 23. So I spent all of my adult life spending my evenings in meetings. Hmm, how exciting. <laughs> and, uh, and very much fueled by lots of drinks in the pubs afterwards and, you know, political campaigning that evolved, going out for drinks. And, you know, I didn't need much of an excuse. I've always been a bit of a, drink, a, bit of a drinker. I'm my father's daughter, as I say to people, I inherited two things from my dad, his boobs and his drinking habits. So, um, <laughs> uh, so um, I am definitely a chip off the old block. And so I always drank quite a lot, um, like most of us. Um, actually, at university, my drinking was nowhere near as bad as it was as I got a bit old and had a bit more disposable cash. Um, it was really easy for me to go out in the evenings. I don't have children and those sort of things. So to go out, get the tube home, pick up some, um, you know, the off license was open until 2 a.m. on the way back from the tube. It's really easy to pick up more drink on the way home. But what was really a tipping point for me was that I ended up in a job that I really wasn't enjoying. It's a job where, and this may sound lovely to some people, nobody cared if I turned up. Mm. And for me, that was very soul destroying. I'm very... 
I'm an activator by nature. I want to do things. I want to get things done. And it slowly chipped away at my self-esteem and my energy. And it meant I could also go out at lunchtime and have a boozy lunch with people that I knew were available and all that sort of stuff. And I, I was boring myself, really. Mm. Um, you know, I was stuck in a job I wasn't enjoying. I ended up there far longer than I, it was only meant to be temporary. I ended up there far longer than I thought. Um, you would think I could do amazing stuff with all the time that that job gave me to do something else. But when something drains your energy, like a job that you're not enjoying, it is actually impossible to use any spare time you have or, or given to do anything more energetic because you're just continually being drained mm. and you're not being given energy. And I kept saying to myself, I need to sober up so I can get another job. And this is the thing that we always think when we're changing drinking, which is that somehow we need to fix this one thing to make the other thing happen. But actually, the reality was, is I needed to get a new job in order to stop drinking. Mm. So I managed to engineer a comment for myself, which got me out of that space um, long enough for me to go, Right, I've got an opportunity, and I did a secondment in the arts world, which I'm very passionate about theatre. And I was suddenly um, thrown into the middle of the art scene in London uh, with people that I highly respected, and realised that I was still turning up with a hangover. And I've got this opportunity suddenly in a space that I really cared about. Why the fuck am I still drinking? And so I I made a very quick decision that that's it that's enough. I need to stop this now. And within a month of being in that new, that's a common, I stopped drinking. And so, um, so things don't always have to happen the way around that we think we don't have to stop drinking to make everything else wonderful happen. Sometimes we need to make a step in another direction in order to have the confidence and the energy to give up drinking. Mm. Uh, so, um, so that was really important for me that, that that's a common that got me out of a space into somewhere where I began to care about myself again. Yeah, I was going to say, it's almost like the self-worth was very key there and it needed yeah. just something to kick in that elevated you to just thinking, actually, something's worth it. It's quite interesting, isn't it? That sort of, yeah, what what comes first there? I yeah, I've been very, I've always been very defined by the job that I do. And mm. um, when you're not proud to tell people what it is that you do for a job, then then that was a real difficult thing for me. And I kept feeling, you know, I it, it really damaged my self identity. Mm. So. You know what we, we've sort of I'm thinking about a lot lately, and in terms of what we kind of talk about at Love Sober is um, working with people's values and yeah. individuals because um and we will say sort of it for a long time you know there was the, these paradigms around drinking it's black and white and there was this one model you know the kind of uh, aa type model and the more i see it the more voices you hear and the individual stories you hear i think it's really important well we've both spoken about this haven't we to work with your values yeah and yeah, what's important to you which sounds what you're saying it's actually one of my favorite blogs that I've ever written is about how um, quitting drinking reconnected me with my values. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, it's a picture of me and Charles Kennedy. And I wrote that after Charles died, mm. you know, of, of alcoholism. And so it really, really touched me. Um, and um, I feel like I'm the person I was when I moved to London when I was 22 again. 
I always felt I was a people person and was always very connected to people's issues so that I could go and solve the problems. I'm an activator. So I see a problem, I want to fix it. Um, and in the last few years before I gave up drinking, I began to think maybe I'm not a people person because quite frankly, I can't, I couldn't hold my attention in a conversation. I mm. was either too hungover and too tired to hold that attention. Uh, or I was too busy thinking about the next drink and thinking, oh, tomorrow I will think about that thing that makes me upset and angry. And tomorrow I'll have the energy to do that. And then of course I would start drinking again and so on. When I gave up, I always talk about giving up as like a thousand little epiphanies. It's not, and it's not always the things that you think that might happen that are the things that are the most important. It's not yes. whether you suddenly lose two stone or any of those things. For me, it was um, um, those micro connections you have every day with people on the tube or at the till in the supermarket. I was always grumpy during those because everything was such hard work with hangover. <laughs> But suddenly getting somebody's eye on the tube and having a joke or having a nice interaction with somebody at the checkout um, uh, began to give me so much energy because that's where I get my energy from. And it was those things that came really quickly after giving up drinking that really made me excited. I am a people person. It was just hidden behind the fog of a hangover. Do you know, I love what you say, because I, I think this, this, this whole thing, and I can see this in Club Soda with all these connections, that people do think that the social life and socializing is going to be different and they're or or ending and we are very very social beings we need those so that's a big fear isn't it that's a massive massive fear but like you're saying if you if you actually stop what happens is micro connections is like you you automatically connect more with your world and with other people so it's not, yeah. it's again, it's one of those lies that we're told kind of through advertising, you know, and you see us this, you can't or, connect without me or something. Yeah. And we're also, we define socializing as something very specific. Now, the truth is, is that most of us drink at home. Mm. We don't go out and socialize at all. It's this great myth we have in our head. We might go out twice a month. Uh, but that's still enough for us to go, well, I don't want to ruin my social life. So it mm. becomes one of those myths that becomes a barrier to stopping you drinking. Mm. Um, when actually, and then we only we can only see social lifers through the narrow prism of going out, going to the pub, having some drinks and not recognising that there's far more out there. Um, and I, I, I fully appreciate that I'm in a much more privileged position in the fact that I don't have children and family that I'm tied to. And I live in a city where... You know, there's so much going on that alcohol doesn't have to be the first thing in a place that you walk into. But there is something everywhere. I once spent a little bit of time on a, a website for a very small town in the middle of America for one of our members who's going, oh, I don't know where to find friends that aren't in the pub. And I went, right, there's yoga in your library. There's a reading group. And, you know, you can yeah. go to those things. You you can do that. You are you're you're, you're automatically saying that because it's easier to say that than to, to recognize that actually putting some you need to put some effort in to finding the things that are going to help you reach your goal. You, you are not going to reach this goal without putting in some legwork. But by putting in the legwork, you will open up a whole world to yourself. Mm. Yeah, and no, I think that that whole reframing what social life is, I mean, that was a, that comes up all the time, doesn't it? And it's like, well, actually, you do get that social box ticked by going out for brunch with people. Or, you know, um, like you said, I really like that, like looking in people's faces. And if you're queuing up at the queue, have a chat. 
it's amazing yeah. how that stimulates those parts of the brain which i don't know what they are they the it, it's the mirror neurons isn't it that then so we, yeah. you know yeah bits of the brain this is let's call it bits of the brain um but the but the the other thing <laughs> the other thing to say is is our social life does change and evolve we don't mm. still socialize the way we did when we were 21 um and we probably didn't do the same social things last year as we did this year even when we were drinking we have a constantly evolving social life um new people are coming into our lives all the time they bring their interests with them and we go along with them because generally we we do things with other people that that's the whole point of friendship. So we, we're also trying to cling on to something, um, an idea of a reality that is actually forever changing anyway. Mm. So it's not that your social life disappears, it changes. And it changes in many different ways. You may, you may go home earlier. For, you may still go to parties, but you may go home earlier. You may find that you really enjoy watching an episode of a box set when you get home. And that gives you more excitement than staying at a party another hour. Well, you know, The Walking exactly. Dead would give me more excitement than staying at a party another hour at the moment. <laughs> um, Sorry, yeah. I know I've got I've got a bit quiet, but I've, I've I just had a bit of a like an emotional kind of um, inspirational kind of feeling listening to all that because um, mm. I really kind of um, I get so much of that that kind of I, I mean I consider myself very political and I always was when I was a kid and. Um, we often sort of say when I negotiate things these days, like Kate will send me a message and Mandy's, you know, politician Mandy. And, you know, that was something in me, that kind of activism. And, and I, I lost that for so many years. And just to hear you say that and to, you know, I really, really feel that, that that's come back to me. And I feel so grateful that I can, you know, sort of in my own way, make a difference or just, yeah, just actually feel something. And again, it, so. And it, and it was a really important for me. So when I was on the council, I was part of a group of politicians that tried to sell in the idea of the Olympics into all the councils um, further away from basically East London to say, this is worth doing, this is worth having the precept on the council tax for. And I went to council meetings around London and spoke to councils of all political persuasions to encourage them. I really wanted to volunteer on the Olympics and I got a volunteering slot. Like my dad. <laughs> yeah, um, I had to fight a little bit for that still, even though I'd been involved in, in parts of the Olympic delivery. But at three months sober, I went and volunteered at the Olympic Stadium. And I cannot tell you how amazing it was because at that three-month point, I my energy had begun to come back. Until then, I'd be doing a lot of dozing and a lot of drinking water because that's what my mm. body asked for. Mm. But I turned up at that stadium at six in the morning and nobody else would have been able to see that. I was going, I'm, I'm up at six in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the Olympic Stadium. I'm just driving the Williams sisters. Oh, no, yeah, God. Olympic Park. I felt like I was an athlete. I was going to say, and that's like an Olympian. Yeah, and yeah. so they thought they were the champions, and the, but I was the champion. <laughs> I can tell you. Yeah. And for me, it was, you know, why would I do anything to have missed this when I was yeah. so passionate about it? I'd been in Trafalgar Square when the Olympics were announced. You know, that's keeping to your values. That's seeing something through to the end. That's... Um, that's um, living the things that you want to do that are important to you is is really an extra hour two hours in a pub drinking more and more wine really the most important thing 
No, it isn't. Being able to get up at six o'clock in the morning and do this was the most important thing. Mm. And I think what you were saying about how kind of, um, you know, naturally we evolve as we get older. I think there's kind of two things there. There's one thing that I definitely kind of got stuck in some kid outhood kind of moment where I, I lost myself and became a mother. But, you know, all I'd ever known was kind of going out and partying, going to festivals, etc. So I that I knew identity. I had no kind of help building and I didn't know how my social life was going to look like and and what I was supposed to do. And everyone was still drinking and, you know, getting wasted. So, um, and now there is so much I learn about having fun from having kids. Do you know what I mean? It's like, they don't need anything to like my son. He jumps out of bed every morning. Mm. My, my daughter, she's like nearly a teenager. So it's slightly more difficult in the morning, but him, he's still got that kind of like, I'm up, you know, <laughs> hello, mummy, kind of thing, like jumps in my bed. It's like, bloody hell, you like, you don't need coffee. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, don't ever start drinking coffee because then your brain is going to need that to wake you up, whereas you just do it all by mm. yourself. And and just the the fun that they can have um, is is very grounding. As a, I feel really privileged as a sober mum to be like, yeah. You got, you know, you That's know what's thing. going on. I think, you know, because you were saying that, that what works for you, Laura, that, that I think wherever you are, you can find ways to make it work, can't you? So you're like, OK, mm. well, I can access all of this. This is really important to me. With a bit of legwork, I can reframe this. I can get myself to this. I can get myself up in the morning. For us mums, like I was stuck in for years, you know, and, and I think that's when my drinking took a downward spiral. But like you say, man's. I can now look at my kids. This, um, they're a great excuse as well. When in the early days, when people say, "Oh, why are you drinking?" You're like, "Oh, I can't do kids and hangovers," you know. So yeah. it's like, well, you could use those bits, couldn't you? And look at your kids for inspiration and all those family activities. So you know, build that in. It's like yeah, use I, whatever you've got, you know. Yeah. And and you know, I love going to children's theatre, and I I go without children. I'm, I'm the weirdo. Me, me and me and Ali went to Zeus to call the musical before Christmas. It was amazing. And 200 children. And we were like, we're here for us. That's how that's <laughs> thing. That's brilliant. <laughs> so don't ever think those things aren't for you because they are mm. great. They're fun. It was that we didn't have to intellectually engage with any other story apart from, you know, the, the songs. It's great. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Anything to switch the mind off as well, I think. Um, yeah. What was I going to say? Yeah. So, what did you do on your own? Do you think? Did you stop drinking on your own, or did you go I to support? So, I will tell you the story because I think the story is really important um, because I accidentally did lots of really good behaviour change things, and so for anyone who may have got there through other routes than joining a community, uh, it's worth really taking a step back and looking at what you did. So, I. I decided something had to change and that it couldn't wait. And I wasn't far off from my birthday, actually. And a birthday would be a normal, well, I'll give up after my birthday. But I was Mm -hmm. like, this cannot wait. And so I booked a day on a course, a one-day course, two weeks, uh, in two weeks' time. And I'll tell you a bit more about that course um, in a bit. But what I had done was I had put a date in the diary. 
I put aside a whole day to think about it. I hadn't just gone, oh, I'll read a book and then start the first chapter and give up, which is what I always did. I, I decided to do a course because I, I never got through to the end of any of the books. And my learning style is such that I really need to be in a room and talking with people. And so I picked a day and I put and I paid for that course and never underestimate how important putting money into your your uh, recovery can be, actually, mm -hmm. because you've got some skin in the game. You, you've made an investment. It doesn't matter if it's um, a £9.99 book or, or something else. And um, the fact that you've invested something in change is really important. And then I, the, the day I booked it, I went and told um, some of my best friends that I had booked it. So I gave myself some accountability and I saw the very happy looks on their faces, uh, which tells you everything. I told them this at a party. So obviously I then proceeded to get pissed. <laughs> I then proceeded to, to maybe cop off with someone who my friend was trying to cop off with because they were a big drinker too. But this is the most amazing part of the story, right? Um, which is that... Um, uh, after we'd got wine on the way home and drunk some more, she said to me, you're a functioning alcoholic. And I said, why did you say that? Because those are words I didn't want to hear. And she went, oh, because I am too. And you drink like me. You were filling up the, your glass of wine before it had even finished. Mm. And that's exactly what I was doing. And this is why we are here together still drinking wine. And I said, it's funny you should say that. I've just booked a course. And they went, oh, I did that course in January. Obviously, that didn't do very well for them. <laughs> Yeah. But I, but I, what I did is I started a relationship with the, with this person, and what a relate a new relationship does is automatically change your environment. It gives mm. you something interesting and exciting and new to look forward mm. to, and um, I spent a lot of time at her house. So, um, so I spent some time in a very new environment where I completely threw my routine up in the air. So she gave up with me. We spent a lot of time together and we got excited about herbal teas and brought a soda stream and tried out new drinks and stuff like that. And that was really, really important for me. More important for me, and this is the discussion I have with her all the time, is she fell off the wagon lots and it was mm. hideous. Mm. And I just looked at those and thought, I do not want this to be me. And so I, she, she did that hard bit of work for me to be honest, mm. that, that falling off the wagon. I also got very, I was happy to tell people I'd given up. And so I'd go to the pub and it was absolutely fine. And I would get out, you know, a pint of tea and it would all be fine. So I was quite in people's faces about it. And if people ever asked me, you know, why are you not drinking? I'd say, oh, I was so good at it. It's time for everyone else to have a chance. And that sort of stuff. <laughs> so you know, that, that, that ballsy activist nature in me just went in and saw this as a, as a wonderful rebellious act. So in all of that, but, but in doing that, I was confident in why I told people I wasn't taking any, any crap. I was saying, I'm not drinking. This is why now let's move on. And the mm. more confidence you say that with the more, the more that people just back off and don't challenge it. So all in all, I created the right environment for me to do it at the time. My commitment was high and my confidence was high. And uh, I, I'll touch back on the one day course I did. The one day course made me furious. I was so angry. Mm -hmm. it, 
in the room. It was great because I met other people and I didn't feel I was on my own and, and I had put the time aside. But ultimately, the course was unethical. There were people who were dependent drinkers in the room and the course didn't offer any support afterwards. And I just came away thinking this should not be allowed to happen. I'm not going to drink, but why is this going? Why is this happening? And so that's sort of where I started the idea for Club Soda, which is for many of us we start these ideas in in the in that sobriety. But so the course worked for me because it made me angry rather than gave me the tools, and I was mm. going to show them that I could do this. Um, and so um, I began to touch on the subject of sobriety intellectually as well around what was available and what wasn't available, what the services were and stuff like that. And in so doing, I was immersing myself in the topic. Mm. So you you can see how all of those things happen. So my my knowledge grew, my top confidence about what I knew about drinking grew, about what behavior change meant. I started exploring all the behavior change stuff. So and I put in place the right information for me to keep sober. Mm. So I guess the question was what your tips for someone starting out would be. So I guess that's that, isn't it? So it's immersing yourself in knowledge. So so my Um, tips are is is that however much – I used to buy self-help books and and skip over those pages that had all those exercises in because I I get the gist. (laughs) Do the exercises. Do the planning. Think about it. Think about how you are going to create – a new life and recognize that just because you might try one thing out that may not work, you might need to try something else out. But the more you plan, the more Mm. you learn, the more you, the more knowledge you have, the more confident you become, the more confident you become, the more likely you are to be able to change your drinking habits. That's called self-efficacy. That's where you build your knowledge to a point where you are confident about the journey you're taking and how you're going to do it. And you do that by just feeding yourself information Mm. and planning how you use that information. Mm, I love that. I really love that. And I, I think that um, that that kind of describes in a very articulate way what I often think, you know, we talk about the, the sort of upward spiral that I saw almost inevitably, uh, strangely, weirdly, inevitably happening once I started meeting my goals and going, I'm not going to drink. Oh, I didn't drink. So I go up a bit. Therefore, I can go for a run oh, look, I've just gone for a run because I'm not hungover, so I go up a bit. And it's the opposite of that awful spiral that we're often on when we are drinking. And then, you know, but you've got to kind of start somewhere. And like you say, got to put something practical in, I think. And I know it might not have to be complicated, but it is a bit of leg, it's legwork, isn't it? And it's muscle building. And it's about noticing the small things. Mm. Um, you are never going to lose two stone in two weeks, but you might sleep better in those two weeks. You might mm. have had less arguments at breakfast in those two weeks. You might have got a little bit more work done in those two weeks. They are all valuable. They yes. are worth something. They are things mm. that didn't happen in the two weeks before that. Yeah. And I think in the early days, your brain, what's tricky is your brain is still wired. It's still going to alcohol. So it's got to be fairly conscious and putting in a new pattern at that point. I I tested my blood sugar levels before I gave up drinking. And I was um, almost in the pre-diabetes range. And within a month of giving up drinking, I was measuring my blood at home. I had come down to a normal range. I mean, Mm. that was was good enough for me as one Mm. of the things I, I looked at. If I had really thought about it a bit more, I could have, you know, measured a whole suite of things from, you know, my energy levels through to my patients. And Got I would patients. have seen some really great changes. And my patients are still improving. It is over time. 
Yeah, <laughs> mine too. <laughs> <laughs> and it's nearly seven years for me, so... Oh, congratulations. Yeah. yeah. I got to run a marathon on my sober date on May the 11th. What, what this year? Mm. Yeah. Wow. Well done. And have you started training? Um, yeah, so I've got a half marathon next weekend, which we're doing, and a club soda social afterwards. Um, and then I thought, screw it, let's just do a marathon really quickly. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> now it's, like, cold and snowing and, you know, but whatever. It'll be what? all right. Which which marathon are you doing? It's somewhere in Kent. Mm. Apparently, I hadn't looked at this. It's got some hills at the end. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> might, I might be walking the last ten miles, but you know, it doesn't matter. Well, yeah, I was going to say you're it. allowed to walk, aren't you? When I heard that, because I, I was thinking people who do, do marathons are like like literally like Olympians, and then someone told me you could walk, and I went, hmm, okay. I still I, I'm not going to do it. I, I've done a, I've done twenty five miles in a day walking. So yeah. I could I could probably I just twenty eight miles I think I did the I did the last bit of the Lee Valley all in one day I was determined mm. to do it so it's like twenty eight miles so I got lost. So. <laughs> yeah, my 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 friend and I we were in we went travelling in uh, Nepal and um and we were so sick of kind of like sleeping in rat infested little sort of homes and we were like right. We're just going to walk the rest. And we've been whining the whole time and just like, you know, whinging. I don't like it. It's too high. We're like, no, no, no. We're just going to walk the whole thing. It's supposed to take two days. And the, the, guide, the guide was just like, okay. And uh, so we got up at five in the morning and we just walked. And we basically walked from Stroud to Bristol, like in the just about 38 miles. <laughs> We're just like, no, no. We walked from five in the morning till seven in the evening or something. Just like anything for a bath. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's um, determination for you so what okay. about you know club soda what's what's next for club soda well um uh we are seeing where the wind takes us in most um cases so um which has been an interesting journey for us so we've launched our our guide for mindful drinkers which people can see at clubsodaguide.com okay. and um Basically, we have now got the first ever guide to all the drinks available and where to find them. So you can go on there now and you can find pubs near you that have got a good range of alcohol-free drinks or restaurants even as well. And you can also see the drinks. And next week, I think, where you can buy those drinks retail, so which supermarkets have got them will be on there as well. And Amazing. We're, we're spending all of this year asking the public to help us crowdsource that guide. There's already 5,000 venues on there, but we're asking people to tell us when they find somewhere and to nominate venues. Because for me, mindful drinking is about not just going, right, I've sorted this out for myself and I can manage this. It's about making it better for the people that come along after you. So if you can ask a pub to get an alcohol-free beer and if you can tell them that you're going to nominate them to a guide if they're really good, and if I can begin to change the way um, the rest of society works around us rather than it always having to be about us making change, then that is um, really exciting for me. So actually next week I'm talking at, you know, we're talking at pub events next week about um, why pubs need to do more, why this is about diversity of social spaces, how this is about keeping our pubs and our restaurants alive in the UK. And we're putting on the first ever alcohol-free drinks tastings at Pub 19. 
Yeah, Amazing. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, you know, for me, those, you know, this, this taps into the, to one of my strengths. And this is where we all have to look at our strengths, which is that I never, uh, you know, wanted to, I never want to be the therapist. I'm not a therapist type because it involves listening far too much. Um, and, um, and as you can see, I do a lot of talking. Um, so for me, this is about creating the environment where we can all do things together to make things better. Mm. Um, and the festivals are also about that as well, which is about saying, why don't we all come together in one space? You can try all the drinks and you can see other people and you can talk and hear and learn and get what you need from that so that you can build your confidence to make the change that you mm. want. Yeah, I must say, like my own personal experience, like club, the club soda aspect has massively helped bridge a gap between me and my family, you know, because my, my, my family are big drinkers. You know, my dad loves real ale. You know, he's a proper pub ale man. And, um, and they came to the festival to hear me speak, which was really sweet. Um, but dad, you know, he loved it. He just went around to trying everything. And, and it was that you know, for him, it, it, there was such a missing thing of just like, what are you going to drink? You know, you need to drink something nice. And he loves that idea of it being special. And, you know, he's a very yeah. sort of celebratory drinker. And, you know, whatever, as I always say to people, if it's not harming you and it doesn't make you feel bad, then you crack on. Like, I'm not judging you yeah. about alcohol. It just wasn't good for me and and it was great and he had a great time him and my mum when they went round they love a freebie they're like, oh lovely try that did you try that hazel we know all time but, but, but in that room we also had three of the top beer writers in the country doing tours around all the beers yes, fantastic and on the wednesday before we did an event with the guild of beer writers about alcohol free beer and, yeah. and we've been given some research funding from the the, the worshipful company of brewers around alcohol free beer these things would not have even mm. been thought about three years ago. Yeah, no, it's changed so, huge. Um, so I hope that what Club Soda brings in is a slightly different element into this space, which is that you know we I I believe we can change the discourse around mm. changing drinking and mindful drinking can mean absolutely anything. It can mean that you're going alcohol free, or it could mean you're moderating, or it could mean that you are are. Uh, driving this evening but it suddenly becomes a positive word and not a negative word like you yeah, know yeah. total or whatever um and and we can begin to change the way that we talk about this which is that you know these things are available for everybody it's not just mm. for those who can't drink mm. and yeah. not being able to drink is somehow a handicap and talking to pubs and bars about this being just another dietary preference like the vegan and vegetarian meals they have mm. on their menu it then clicks and it and it mm. becomes a really exciting discussion. I think yeah, it, I mean, it, it opens up yeah. that um, it opens it up to people who still drink. I think in a way that that the old paradigms didn't. It was like yeah. right, if I don't look like that, then there's not a problem, and that every other form of drinking is entirely normal. And actually, what this does is it just says, oh look, there's lots of different options. Let's let's start yeah. to question. Let's have to look, and it's not threatening, and it means that a lot. It, it just opens it up, doesn't it, to mainstream? I think. Yeah. And that's what I see that and, filtering down of messages. Yeah, and it and yeah. it means I can give you the tools. Like we, I did an event for the a big catering event last week. Because I'm obsessed by the fact that um, even in some of the biggest companies like um, Accenture and Schroders and all of that lot, if you have, go to a drinks reception with them and you're not drinking wine or beer, you get to self-serve yourself some warm carton orange juice from the end yeah, of the table. Disgusting, and yeah. um, 
And all of us can go into our workplace and say, right, when we're having events now, could we make sure there's something good for people who aren't drinking? Because there's lots of people who drive home at the end of their commute. There's lots of people who might be pregnant in the room but don't want to talk about it. Um, you know, so we can all do things. And if we can give you the tools to do that in a way that isn't, I don't drink so nobody else should drink and, and you should take away all the drink, isn't that, but is a, did you know you've got a diverse workforce? How about we do something about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, then, then again, that, is, that gives us all practical things we can do and to make things better for everybody. Mm. Yeah, I mean, my, I was going to say my dad's a cancer survivor. So, you know, for him, it's yeah. like he can't drink like he used to drink and he shouldn't. So, you know, mm. there's that whole aspect of, so of people make like room that. To sober, you know, whatever that yeah. looks like, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so we've we've just about come to the end. And what? thank you so much, Laura. Um, it's really fantastic talking to you. It's just I'm so impressed as well about the activism and, and how you know, I really do think you're changing the landscape and the conversation culturally, like end of, you know. But more importantly is we're all doing it together because when I go and speak to people, I don't say, oh, I've got 30,000 people changing their drinking. I say I've got 30,000 customers who all want something better in the pub. Mm. And that speaks to the industry. And then people go, oh, and nobody, if you think about our, our, our hospitality sector, there isn't, we don't have a very engaged customer base. You know, Mm. we don't, we're not actually very demanding. They don't Mm. talk to their customers very often, apart from when they're at the bar ordering a drink. So we uh, we talk about the fact that we bring a dimension that they haven't had uh, a voice into this space that hasn't been there before. Yeah, and that will appeal to them because that's an untapped market. So it's speaking their language. And also that, you know, pubs always were an integral part of British culture you know and they they were the heart of the community and you know I grew up in the west country and so many pubs have shut down or that they're really struggling um you know and and live music and and comedy nights I mean Stroud is very good for that kind of uh thing but that that is an integral part of of, of British life, but it doesn't yeah. just have to be about getting shit faced you know no it, it's about being with together people and, yeah. and and, and I, everyone being there. So. And I still spend as much money, but I'm more likely to have a few drinks and always have dessert now, you see. <laughs> so, you know, uh, are you telling me my money's not good enough? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I have a pint of pork scratchings, please. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your... We always end up with um, a tip of the day and a reason to love sober. So would you be able to firstly give us your tip of the day? Oh, my uh, my tip of the day is to um, have a have a little think about your values because you talked about it at the beginning, and actually you you talked you said um, it made you feel very contemplative, and actually I nearly cried when I was talking about that bit. But so I think you should go back and think about the values, the things that are really important to you, the things that you thought you would be doing in the world at this point in your life, but maybe you're not doing, the things that made you excited when you were in your early 20s. And write more down and say, how is how can being sober re-bring me back to those things? How can I feel like that person again before, you know, alcohol really messed with my brain and changed the way that I think? Um, and, um, and write those down and see how you can connect to those because we often, you know, we always focus on the physical things that we can see and the things that we're told by society 
um, that we must be. We must be thin. We must be running. We must be doing that. But actually, that's not the most important thing. It's about the things that are fundamental to you. Do you care about the environment? Do you care about how you interact with other people? Does family matter to you? Um, you know, does your career is your career important? Is what you're doing in your job important? And how can being sober get you to reconnect back with those things? Because for me, um, that that was one of the 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 most important things for me that that light bulb moment when I realized I was that person again and it, it was hidden behind a fog and a mist for a load and load of years um so write those down and think about how you want to be connected back with those mm. oh well, that's touched my heart Oh, really knows me. We're, we're both wiping a... away a tear, aren't we? I can see you, <laughs> Mandy. I was like, oh my god, I'm totally. That's when you're so Yeah. Oh, thank you. And what and a reason to love sober, mm, you said. To yeah. Love sober today. Um, I want to tell you because I know I'm further along in the journey than all of you, and I can't actually believe it's nearly seven years. It keeps on giving. Don't expect everything to be uh, to happen to you in the first year. Um, and say, well, that's it. I've done sober now and, and I won't ever feel the effects of it. Things don't always happen at once. You know, I, I always joked that I wasn't going to be the woman who in my early 40s took up running. And so for ages, I resisted that at the start of Club Soda because everyone else was doing it. But ultimately, I have taken up running. And it doesn't matter that I didn't do it in years one, two and three after giving up drinking. I'm now doing it in year six. And that's okay. And I would not be doing it in year six if I hadn't stopped drinking in year one. And I hadn't um, done that really weird swimming challenge against one of our members, Jill, two years ago, where I swam 44 (laughs) kilometers in one month to beat her. Um, It it started, you know, this run started with all of those things. Mm. It doesn't all happen at once. It doesn't all have to be some identikit progression. They all have come because I've got seven years of sobriety behind me. Mm. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Laura. It's been amazing to talk to you. No problem. Um, So if you're immediately concerned about your drinking, um, go... uh, Maybe consider going to see your GP. Um, Alcohol Concern website has lots of uh, information about agencies of local support. Um, I think it's it's very clear today. You know there are there is support out there. So there are these you know online communities and meetups with Club Soda that you might find exactly the kind of support you need. Uh, Soberista, she recovers. Just to mention a few, but do you know reach out and get support. Um, And we'll see you next week for more chat. Stay safe, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Bye.